Welcome to episode 197 of the Gripstrip Podcast, the Feasts and Celebrations edition of the Gripstrip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, uh, computer genius, a gentleman and a scholar. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? I am doing great, Phil, and of course, glad to be back here uh, after Thanksgiving. Thankful to be back on, of course, but you know, one more race in the F1 season that we got to cover and everything, so ready to get into it. Yeah, we'll go and go over Fishlips winning his 900th race in a row, uh, taking, what is it, 19th win of the year, uh, or 20, yeah, because, uh, yeah, 19th win of the year, uh, in formula one uh, ending one of the most dominant seasons in the history of formula one and um providing more fodder for the orange army and we'll get into all the other battles including the battle for second in the constructors Uh, we'll talk about the postseason test which of course is going on right now uh we'll also look at we'll review the season formula one season since it's fresh on the minds and uh we'll get into some of the other key drivers who stood out and key battles throughout the season Um, we'll talk about nascar's new tv package starting in 2025 Uh, that just came out today we're doing this show on a wednesday since um i had uh i was meeting up with one of my good friends since he's in town uh, with his family for Thanksgiving, so we went and went and hung out on Monday. Um, thankfully, missed Monday night football because that was god awful. Speaking of football, we'll talk about our teams and where they're at after Week 12 and leading into Week 13 for both of them and also our fantasy uh, teams as well. In uh, because we're getting close to the playoffs, two weeks to go in the regular season for fantasy football. The roundup will be uh, pretty busy because we're making up for uh, last week when uh, we ran long. So we'll do, oh, that's nice merch for Blaney. Um, We'll talk about the South Carolina 400, which Dale Earnhardt Jr. drove in. And we'll also talk about the Thanksgiving Classic, which Brendan Queen took down in a battle, the three-wide battle for many laps with um, Josh Berry and uh, Caden Honeycutt. We'll go and review those. We'll talk about the MotoGP and Moto2 last two races of their season. Pecco Bagnaia is now a repeat world champion, two-time world champion in MotoGP. Uh, and, uh, and Pedro Acosta won the Moto2 championship. He'll be moving up, and he already has. He's started testing for um, Gas Gas KTM. Uh, rally Japan happened a couple weeks ago. Supercars was a great battle um, down to the end there. F2 season finale at Abu Dhabi and some other news uh, that went on the last couple of weeks. So we'll go over that. And then um, what we're thankful for this motorsports year. We'll go and talk about that briefly. Josh will let us know all things going on. iRacing and gaming in the sim segment and uh, close the deal. So yeah, let's start with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh, for the 19th time in 2023. Uh, no real surprise at who won. And um, it was uh, fish lips by nearly 18 seconds over Charles Leclerc, and 20.3 seconds over Russell, 
Uh, it was a close. It was close for the top from second to fifth. Uh, Leclerc, Russell, Checo, Perez, and Lando Norris were separated by six and a six point two seconds. Um, Oscar Piastri, Fred Alonso, Yuki Sonoda trying to get seventh in the constructors for um, AlphaTauri in their last race is AlphaTauri. Sir Lewis Hamilton and Lance Stroll rounded out the points paying finishers. Um, every rate, every, oh, every car or 19 of the 20 cars finish. Carlos signs, uh, they show him as a DNF. I guess he stopped on the next to last lap and he wasn't classified. Um, but he finished out of Altieri Botas and Kevin Magnuson, who were a lap down. Uh, Logan Sargent ends his rookie year with a 16th place finish. Um, the only car that the uh, only driver that hasn't been determined for the 2024 grid is the seat that uh, Logan Sargent had for this season. Likely he will be back, but we still have to wait and see. I mean, honestly, it's there's nothing really to take from it, Josh, but more of the same. Uh, McLaren had a uh, better pace in the race. I mean, in terms of... Or I mean, they they had good pace all weekend. My fault. I mean, Piastri out qualified Lando Norris. Mercedes struggled a bit. Um, Russell was fourth, but Lewis was eleventh. You had Carlos Sainz crashed his car in FP1, and because of that, it basically put his whole weekend into the dumper. Didn't even get out of Q1 uh, and struggled basically the whole entire time to make anything happen. Uh, Williams had a rough weekend there but was able to hold on to seventh uh but yeah i mean end end of a season and end of what was something that you know was akin to schumacher in his heyday or or senna or prost or or vettel or you know those guys um no i don't even think i I mean as much as people like to complain on hamilton because they hate hamilton because he's black I don't remember him winning 19 out of 22 races or <laughs> like whatever, however, whatever the percentage of that is. But uh, uh, what were your thoughts on the Grand Prix uh, this past weekend at Abu Dhabi? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, not a not a surprise there that yeah, Max Verstappen goes out and wins the final race of the season, um, of course. But um, yeah, I think really the focus this past weekend was, um, you know, who was going to get second in constructors championship, you know, with Ferrari and, uh, Mercedes battling it out there. I think that was what, what the real race was there. Um, of course, Charles Leclerc finished second and kind of had a chance to somewhat challenge the Red Bull of Verstappen there at the beginning of the race. Uh, but you know, of course Verstappen's going to win that one out. Um, but um, I think I would have thought that maybe Lewis Hamilton would have been the one to deliver the uh, second in the standings for Mercedes, but George Russell ended up being that guy this weekend. Uh, and George, you know, Russell is coming the guy here at uh, Mercedes, uh, but you know he's uh, had a good good result in this race that allowed him to uh, get this uh, uh, second in the points for them. So um, you know Mercedes, the beginning of the year, better than. Uh, better than, you know, what they were last year, but they were still off by quite a bit. And you could see that at, at times this year, but, you know, towards the end of the year, they started to have a, you know, better, uh, run. And then here in the last race of the season, George Russell is able to get third place here to, uh, grab, uh, that second place in the podium. So, um, you know, for, for them, 
good result and maybe a little bit of momentum here. We'll talk about it later and the you know, or later on with, uh, you know, looking towards next year, but definitely, uh, something to build upon with this, uh, result in the points. Um, of course, uh, Sergio Perez, you know, not, you know, not really the race that he wanted to end out the year on. Of course, I think they're trying to go for Red Bull one, two, but, you know, wasn't able to quite close it out and was still able to beat Lando Norris back to the line on the last lap. But, you know, definitely, uh, so, you know, what probably wants to finish second and, you know, what, possibly could be his final race in a Red Bull car um, and at least, you know, finish second to cap off the year uh, for Red Bull and the amazing success. Uh, McLaren, of course, uh, Lando, you know, had a bad race at Las Vegas, goes out here and gets a point to finish in fifth uh, for the last race season. So, and Lewis Hamilton kind of, kind of surprising in ninth, but, you know, he came from 11th. So uh, he breaks into the points there uh, and, you know, Alonso, Sonoda, stroll all finished so in the top 10 in the points so yeah i mean this is you know uh kind of interesting with uh the last series of the year obviously we're all kind of glad that max verstappen has finished dominating but you know caps off a fairly dominant year and um now we kind of look towards next year to see if uh, they'll face any challenges that's the hope i mean mercedes started the year with the same concept that they ran last year basically because it worked at Brazil and they were wrong and it took them until Monaco for them to join everybody else on the grid. Um, McLaren was out to lunch at the start of the year, but by the end of the year, uh, they were one of the top teams on the grid and they likely have, they have arguably the best, uh, the, the most talented lineup, uh, on the grid because, and with youth on their side, um, Aston Martin started the year fast with one of their drivers. We know who that is. And then as the year went on, they fell behind with the development They and um, the lack of a second driver uh, started to catch up to them there. And um, Ferrari had were the only team that won a race outside of Red Bull with uh, Carlos Sainz, a smooth operator. Um, Leclerc qualified on pole a lot, but couldn't really do anything with those poles. Um, so there were a lot of teams that were up there at times during the year, but when push came to shove, Fishlips would go on and, and win by 20 seconds, um, essentially every single week. So that's that's essentially where we're at with uh, Formula One. I was trying to do the math, uh, quick math, and then I just needed the calculator, 86.3% of the wins uh, this season the last two years i think he he went from uh, he's won 37 races i believe in the last two years or some shit like that and now he's he's third alone in all-time wins in formula one so you think about that how how insane that is um and so he was before that before he this last couple of years he was around he wasn't that far off of fernando alonso's total uh because for fernando alonso has been at like 32 wins for how many years i think he was at 34 or 35 and then you know that you're talking about you know 30 or no that or he was at 20 something i guess and then over the last two years he's won all these raises so it's it's pretty insane but you just have to 
it's hard. I don't like saying it, but I can't deny the fact that the MFers won all those races. It's out there. Um, you know, he he they were he was given the world championship in in twenty one, but he had won uh, that year. He'd won ten races, and he had more, and he had uh, ten poles and um, one more podium than Lewis. Uh, so in theory, you could make the um, there's justification minus the fact that um, uh, Michael Massey manipulated the race in 20, 2023 uh, or twenty two yeah in twenty twenty two he won fifteen races and then he won nineteen so yeah thirty four wins forty four wins in the last three seasons and then you look at the all time all time uh, win before races and he has now passed Sebastian Vettel um on sunday for third all alone in uh wins and now his next target is michael schumacher um seven through really really 37 wins um behind uh michael schumacher and then he's uh fifth 49 wins behind lewis hamilton so uh that's uh something that we'll look at and we'll we'll see what goes on, how that that all works out. I mean, he's passed all the guys who are multiple world champions, except two, the two guys that have seven or seven and seven and a half um, world championships, and now he's at three. Uh, go into the uh, drivers' point standings uh, behind uh, Verstappen. He was nearly three hundred points ahead of his teammate. Perez Perez ended up finishing 51 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton for second. Lewis finished third uh, by 28 points over a tie with Alonso and Leclerc. And Lando Norris finished a point behind there. There was a good, by in the end, those four guys at Carlos Sainz were only separated by six points. So interesting how the year started and where where Alonso was to where it ended with all those guys so close. Uh, George Russell had a good couple of races to end the year, but basically was nowhere um, in no man's land most of the year. Finished eighth, was kind of like Valtteri Bottas was for a couple of years uh, in his time at Mercedes. Oscar Piastri ends his uh, rookie season ninth in in the standings and um, in Brad Stroll finished 10th over 100, what is it, 132, 132 points behind his teammate in the in the driver's championship, so it tells you how bad he was. I mean, only Checo can say that he was worse. Um, the two Alpine drivers finished 11th and 12th. Um, Alex Albon, who scored all but one point for Williams, finished 13th, and then Botas, or Sonoda and Botas were the last two double-digit point scorers. Logan Sargent scored one point. Nick DeVries was the only driver that did not score a point this season in Formula 1. Um, Red Bull won the Constructors' Championship by 460, uh, 451 points over Mercedes. Uh, Mercedes was up by three points at the end over Ferrari. McLaren beat Aston Martin by 22 points for fourth. Um, Alpine was on their own in sixth, a good 160 points behind Aston Martin. So it shows you the basically the massive disparity from the 
the teams here. I mean, you look at, you had Mercedes and Ferrari who were in their one zip code. You had Red Bull that was out, out in a different country. Then you had Mercedes and Ferrari. Then you had McLaren and Aston, the two customer Mercedes teams. In their own battle, Alpine was battling themselves the whole year. Williams held on, as I said earlier, three points ahead of Alfa Tori for seventh. And uh, Alfa Romeo, um, Sauber, ninth. And Haas, uh, dead last in the Constructors' Championship. So the um, we'll go and get into the, the young driver's test here and try to get these. Uh, McLaren got... Monster Energy sponsorship from the Mercedes team, but they're still keeping uh, their their uh, connection with Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Pato Award was testing for McLaren during the young driver test and is going to be a uh, test and reserve driver for them now uh, in lieu of Alex Pillow breaking his contract. Alex Pillow is being sued for $23 million for breaking his contract. Yeah, uh, with McLaren, so that I don't know where twenty three million dollars is coming from, but I'm gonna assume Floyd Floyd Ganassi. It'll, it'll have the name Floyd Chip Ganassi uh, signature on it. Um, we'll see. Yeah, so I'll get into that. So the postseason, Russell crashed. Russell for a suspected technical failure. Barriers cause significant damage for some of the second stoppage, water leak, water leak, and red flag about a third time by I Yumo Alasa, who's going to be moving over to Super Formula next year. So, uh, you'll see that Ocon led the test over Pato Award. Frederick Vesti was testing for Mercedes, the Mercedes junior driver, Sergio Perez. Those all, all those guys ran over 100 laps. Carlos Sainz was sixth, fifth. Alonso sixth. Jack Dewin, the Alpine junior driver and son of five-time uh, MotoGP world champion Mick Dewin, was seventh. Robert Schwartzman, who knows what his nationality is. He's a Ferrari junior. Finished eighth. Logan Sargent was ninth. Charlie Claire tenth. Teo Pocher, which we're going to talk about. Um, in a little bit, was 11th for Alpha Sauber. Felipe Drogovic, the test and reserve driver for Aston Martin, 12th. Sonoda, Jake Dennis for Red Bull, uh, the uh, Formula E world champion. Iwasa for Alpha Tori. Bierman for Haas. Zach O'Sullivan for Williams. Piastri, Pietro Fittipaldi in his last test for Haas before he moves on to Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing in the IndyCar series. Russell Stroll, Franco Colapinto, the F3 world champion for Will for Williams, Ricardo, Joe, and Alex Albon rounding out the 25 drivers that tested uh, a few days ago in the postseason test. So, um, yeah, Jake Dennis was the uh, one of the two drivers, and I think and, um, we'll move on now. The news news of the day uh, came out uh, because it's um, NASCAR Banquet Week weekend or week because Thursday the thirtieth will be the the awards banquet. Uh, they announced a new media rights agreement and deal. It's um, 
with combining everything they have going on, so combining the CW deal that they're going to have for Xfinity, which is going to be exclusivity with the Xfinity series, it's going to be $1.1 billion a year. Um, so I'm sure that there's a couple of guys, uh, Dennis Hamlin and uh, Justin Marks, who's another one I have to, we're going to talk about. I have to go and put it. We got the announcement that Fox Sports and NBC Sports are going to continue uh, essentially where they they have been more or less since more or less since 2001. But in a lot of ways, it it harkens back to the past prior to 2001 with how many different channels are going to have uh, some semblance of NASCAR Cup coverage. Uh, they're going to between. Fox Sports, NBC Sports, Amazon Prime, and TNT Sports. Um, they'll cover, they'll show all 38 cup events from 25 to 2025 to 2031. Um, um, and Fox and NBC will have 14 races each. Uh, and then, unfortunately, they'll continue to, to show the truck series. Um, NBC will find 14 races mix of broadcasts and uh, there's only so on regular live to air tv five fox races and four nbc um otherwise it'll be on fs1 or usa okay and then prime video and tnt will split 10 races um in the summer uh prime video will uh stream practice and qualifying live for the first half of the season through the last race of their mid-season series, um, exceptions of the Clash 500 All-Star Race. TNT will do the five next five races, and then they will stream on the Bleacher Report Sports add-on. Um, practice and qualify from Rangers season will stream on Max and Air on True TV. Okay, that's good. So that's another channel. And... Um, so that so but one thing people that we haven't had for the last few years is uh showing of they didn't really show as many i mean they didn't have practice for a while now they have a abbreviated practice session and but going back to when they first started with tv this tv package back you know 20 something years ago they're gonna invest time in showing practice and qualifying all year um whether it's on one of the two major uh, platforms, which is either Fox NBC with their um, their uh, uh, FS1 and and USA, or in this case, they'll show it. This now to be on Prime or um, True TV, uh, Bleacher Report, Sports, whatever. If you're gonna go and buy that, um, I mean, uh, I, what, I, I, it's I guess in the end we know what the package will be. We know that practice and qualifying will be shown. We don't know who's going to be where, but more than likely we know where they're not really going to make any changes. I think the next real change that's going to come to the television coverage is who's going to replace Mike Joy. Um, but I think NBC is going to stay the way it is uh, for the foreseeable future, And uh, but they'll just have less races. I'm curious to see if there's going to be a separation uh, with those 10 races, or if they're just going to basically kind of farm out um, the crews, like Fox is just going to farm out their group to do the five races on Prime, 
and then NBC is going to do the TNT bundle or if there will be separate people there because I know that they're going to have to hire separate people theoretically for the CW for the Xfinity package. Um, we knew about that uh, many months ago and it was a huge announcement because now the Xfinity series has its own, truly has an identity. Um, I mean, they've gotten an identity more because the racing has been better, the car has been better over the last few years in general. And so um, they had that identity, but now they have a TV package that basically separates it from being cup light um, in that because they got rid of the cup drivers being in every race, but now they have the TV package to go with it. But, um, I mean, it, it reminds me of, you know, one race would be on one week, you'd have it on ESPN, one ra- weekend you'd have it on TNN, the next weekend you'd have it on CBS, uh, you know, like that's the way, or TBS, you know, like that, those were the days that I came from uh, when I first started watching Cup. They had races on a, a race or two on ABC. They had a handful of races on CBS. A lot of them were on ESPN or TNN, a uh, few on TBS, and that was what we had. Uh, IndyCars or Cart was on ESPN and ABC. Um, basically, motorsports, if you were looking for motorsports, you're basically watching it on espn or tnn uh that was really what it was forever and then uh 2001 fox decided to put their hat in the ring so now we know at least for the next we know until 2031 what our tv package is going to be we know what we're going to have to purchase so to speak going to have to if you don't want to you want to cut the cord you're going to have to get uh something that has fs1 you're going to have to get something that has um, Amazon. You'll have to get Amazon Prime, uh, which I already have because of, you know, I've had it for a long time and a lot of us do because we buy shit off Amazon. Um, in terms of, I also now, because of the NFL, have YouTube TV. So I basically have most of that stuff covered, uh, minus the Bleacher Report thing. But you have TNT, anyways, because yeah. that's a Simon class. Yeah. And um, I think I have True TV. So if that's the case, then I'm covered. Um, I'm sure you got the same. So uh, what were your thoughts when you heard the uh, uh, announcement and the details of the announcement in general for this package? I mean, we talked about it briefly. I thought about it being more prior to the the 2001 uh, uh, TV deal, but you had a good point in what you thought about the coverage or what the coverage lays out like yeah i mean i think first of all i think what stands out is that amazon prime is joining the fold and now we're gonna have uh five races that are exclusively on streaming only um and i think when you look at the numbers you know 1.1 billion uh for this deal as a whole and i think that's including the cw package in the xfinity series but um i think a good 40% of that is probably from amazon uh or they they said that 40 it's a 40% increase from the previous de- uh deal of how much they're getting so i mean that's a good chunk of that's probably from amazon um you know they've they paying a lot for Thursday night football with the NFL. So I'd imagine that they're probably, I mean, they're not paying similar numbers, but you know, they're proportionally probably paying uh, a good amount for those five races. Um, I, you know, don't have the full details in front of me, but like, uh, I think 
it's it's significant because it you know shows a shift in uh you know people's tastes and um well i guess what they think people's tastes are um and there's good and negative ways to look at this um i think you know from the tv standpoint you know like we said earlier like i said it feels like the 2007 package where you know fox had the first uh 12 or 13 races I think they always ended at like Dover or something like that. And then it, at po- the first Pocono race uh, or whatever was always the first uh, NASCAR and TNT broadcast and then it ended at uh, Chicagoland uh, or Kentucky in later years. So uh, from that perspective, it feels like that because it's about, you know, the same. They always had that six race package in between the ESPN and Fox uh, terms uh, during that season. So or that period of NASCAR on television. So um, that's what it feels like, except now we're adding a fourth partner in uh, Amazon. So, you know, that's kind of what it feels like to me, except now, yeah, now we're including streaming with, uh, you know, five races being on Prime. And, you know, obviously if you're a streamer, you know, I'm, I'm been a streamer for quite a while now with YouTube TV. I've had Prime for several years. So, you know, we're good. We're covered. You know, we, I think we all, we'll all get the channels. You know, if you have Peacock as well, if you pay for that, then you'll get those, um, th- whatever's on Peacock. So that's good. Um, if you're on that, of course, if you're not, if you're, you know, either super saver, you're, you know, really poor or whatever, or, um, you know, you t- just don't want to go buy Amazon, uh, whatever, whatever the reason is, you know, obviously you're kind of screwed in this and then you'll have to figure out a way to, you know, go on a, uh, you know, figure out your own means to be able to watch, watch the races. Uh, so you're, you know, you're kind of screwed on that. And if you have to go buy the packages, you know, to be able just to watch NASCAR, then I guess, um, you're a little bit screwed on that. So, um, from that, it more, more or less benefits the people who've already, you know, changed to, uh, streaming packages and stuff like that. Although, you know, at the end of the day, you're almost paying, you know, with how much you're, you know, buying for streams and stuff, whether you're on, you know, all the Netflix, HBO Max, which is going to be part of this, Hulu, which if you have Hulu, then that covers the C2TV. Once you add all that back up, it's almost like you're paying for a, a cable package anyway. So I don't, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know how much people are actually saving. Uh, but when you consider all of that, um, you know, NASCAR is signaling a move to the future with uh, going to Amazon Prime and having, you know, simulacasts on HBO Max, Peacock, uh, etc. So that's uh, maybe you look towards the future. Of course, Amazon has the money, so that's helping that. So that's going to be a different exposure. Also, uh, they did say that uh, Bleacher Report is going to be a part of this because uh, yeah, they're under uh, Turner Sports now or um, all that stuff with uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. So um, they're they're part of it. House of Highlights, which has 24 million followers, I think across the internet. So uh, they're they're going to be promoting NASCAR regularly, so um, got to consider that as well. So and a lot of it's young people, you know, people my age, you know, younger in college, high school age. So um, a lot of kids going to be exposed to NASCAR. So um, you know, if they can package it well, you know, make it interesting, similar to how Drive to Survive has made F1 interesting here in America. Although I don't know how interesting it actually is, but um, obviously the numbers show that there's interest, and the marketing reflects that maybe you know nascar can try to build up uh a new fan base and you know try to um grow the sport in that direction with some of these different platforms helping cover and promote the sport uh etc so uh, that's the positive of it i think 
from when you look at it like that. And obviously the, the revenue for NASCAR, I mean, it's all paid out for, you know, if you're worried about the ratings and whatnot, I mean, they're, you know, they're shelling out, you know, these TV companies, I don't know how they have these money, but, um, they're shelling out a lot of money and obviously Amazon, everybody is, you know, using Amazon. So, um, obviously they have a lot of money. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see all that kind of play out. And then, you know, I think, you know, the real negatives, I think, is that there's only nine races on broadcast television. Uh, it's only a quarter of the schedule is going to be on uh, broadcast television, I think it is pretty sad. So um, I, I, I would like to think that it should be like at least half, you know, if not more, and that, you know, the rest of it should be on um, cable. But, you know, obviously we're streaming, but obviously that's beginning to change. And you're only going to see like uh, a handful of races that, you know, have history and meaning behind it. And the rest of the schedule is going to be on, um, uh, streaming or cable. So kind of a shift, not sure if, you know, you're a traditional fan, if, you know, you like that part of it. Um, so I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out the broadcast crews, you know, we'll see who, who they pick for Amazon prime or if it's going to kind of double over from people who are on other, you know, broadcast channels kind of see that. I mean, obviously they do have an exclusive broadcast crew, but um, if you kind of look at it uh, from, you know, who's broadcasting, obviously they, they're borrowing from kind of the NBC crew and ESPN personnel. Um, obviously, uh, I think Kirk Herbstreit is obviously on ESPN. I mean, Al Michaels is on his own deal, but Kirk Herbstreit is on ESPN. I think Kaylee Hartung is also uh, on ESPN as well, or ABC. Uh, and I think, you know, some of the other, the other, uh, analysts and stuff, I think they are exclusive to Amazon now, but, uh, from Thursday night football with the NFL. So that's interesting, but I, I have a feeling they still use NBC's, uh, some of NBC's cameramen and crew, uh, for that Thursday night football package. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how that turns out. Um, and you know, who they, who they pick for that. And then, you know, who they decide to go for, uh, Turner sports, uh, for TNT. So welcome back for NASCAR and TNT, I guess, uh, coming back to the fold after being away for 10 years or so. So, um, I guess looking forward to seeing that again, but, um, and obviously it's kind of, kind of interesting. They get back with T uh, Turner sports, you know, about, you know, some, you know, obviously the recent passing of Ken Squire, who was on TNN and TBS NASCAR and CBS. So, um, kind of continuation, uh, from that legacy. So we'll see who covers that. And then obviously, uh, robot Rick Allen and Dale jr. And, uh, uh, NBC and everything. So, um, I have a feeling NBC, um, uh, they always, the last three races always been on broadcast NBC. So I think they said there's only four races that are going to be on broadcast NBC. So that, that leads whichever, whatever race is going to be, uh, on yeah, broadcast NBC. I, would have to pick it'd have to be one of the few remaining uh marquee races that are before the playoffs so that means that most of the playoffs is going to be on usa so uh yeah which i think i think is um not good because they those are the ones that should be on at broadcast tv because those are the ones that are supposed to get people interested in the championship race and everything so i don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes but um yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a lot of a lot of money, and we'll see you know how much of this deal actually goes to teams and helps uh, helps them uh, in their finances. Obviously, that was a big uh, point of contention over you know the last year or so is how how much the teams would you know be getting in the in the new contract to try to give the teams more money. Obviously, they've been operating 
at a loss, you know, for several years. So we'll see how that helps them uh, in in their quest to try to gain, you know, viability from a financial perspective for sure. And I think that's the next, now that they have this TV package sorted, uh, what is going to happen with the charters, what's going to happen with uh, revenue sharing with the RTA is now the next key uh, discussion or decision or battle, so to speak. Um, Steve Phelps doesn't believe they need to add horsepower, um, so it tells you how out of touch and stupid he is. Um him and SOD, uh, but they, they're, you li- the drivers tell you what they need, but then they don't listen to the drivers, and it's probably that's been the case for years. And you look at who has retired over the past few years, and it kind of makes sense. All the guys, all these veteran pres, all these guys were veteran presence on and in the series from Jeffy to Smoke to Junebug, Kenseth, and Jimmy, and then now, um. Kevin Harvick and that like that's the all those guys are gone the longest tenured guy on on the circuit is Kyle Busch so I mean it he has a voice but it's usually with him bitching uh he does get it in the sense of being an owner uh for a long time until a few weeks ago um so We'll see what happens with the this charters and the revenue sharing, though. And I also am interested to see, like what you were saying, where the if there are the who will be shared and who will be moved around in terms of the TV package, and uh, you know if the it will be sharing um, announcers and whatnot. Something we will be finding out here in the next few months, because obviously we're you know just under. Uh, just over a year away, so a lot of uh, key people to be hired, um, and not the in quality control eyes. There really isn't that many people out there. Uh, I mean, you can look at Alan Bestwick and Matt Yoakum; those two guys are out there. Uh, Bob Dillner is another one, um, and then you have to go and look at the MRN MRN uh, men and women. I think Georgia Henneberry is probably going to get a call. I mean, she was working with the Indy Cars and Indy Next. Uh, she might go and get uh, called by NASCAR or, or uh, uh, what's what's it called? Um, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, she's married to Dylan Welsh. Um, Hannah Newhouse. Hannah Newhouse might end up getting on TV because Kimmy Kuhn was more or less spending most of the season with NBC and then dovetailing the rest of it with MRN, which is where she came from. So um, thinking some of those ladies and then maybe some of the veteran guys uh, like Bagley might get a shot in in the booth uh, with some of these packages. We'll see what happens with that. Um, Hopefully with Fox getting uh, the truck series, continuing with the truck series, they'll um, decide or figure out a plan that will involve them actually going to the races and um, having announcers who have a clue uh, since they really haven't tried that for the last few years. And uh, it's made the truck series into a, into a clown show, but you know, it's one thing at a time. Okay. So um, let us move forward. We're, we got into the, the TV package. So now we'll get into the season review. I mentioned uh, 34 race wins for fish lips. Um, 
he also set a whole ton of records over these past two years. Um, I don't have to, you, if you listen to the show long enough, you know how I feel about the guy and the team that he drives for. Uh, he has, he is a talented race car driver. And now that he has the best car by far, uh, he's destroying everybody, not just his teammate, but the whole entire grid. Um, it's become less competitive than even when Lewis was winning and, uh, people complained that Lewis was winning, but I mean, the more you look at it, the more you think about it, it's probably cause he's black. Um, but when, when the white, great white hope as, uh, uh, uh what, what the f- Derek Warwick called him, uh, wins, it's fine. And we're, you have all these people justifying it and it's like, fine, he's winning. Good. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, there's plenty of people who question the validity, especially of his first title, even though he won more races than Lewis and won more polls in 21. Uh, people question the validity of that championship and uh, are still going to hate the guy, largely because he drives like a douche when he's around anybody. Um, but that actually makes him, you know, work hard. Uh, but what I mean, what do you say, Josh, on uh, Verstappen? And the records he has set for points and wins and polls and top fives and podiums and all that all that crap um, over the past three years, uh, really. I mean, it's not even the last two. It's really the last three years because he came into 2021 with 10 Grand Prix wins. And now he's a three-time world champion with 54 Grand Prix wins. I mean, it's just a different era again, like what we, again, like Ferrari with Michael Schumacher and, um, you know, with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes and having, you know, one, one team dominate through different periods. And obviously Red Bull, they've found something in, in the last three years that's made them uh, really good and have a lot of speed. And obviously Max is their number one driver. So they're going to put a lot of their effort into making sure he's successful. So, you know, I think their goal has been to be the best team and they've, you know, clearly achieved that objective the last three years. And obviously they came down to the wire with Lewis Hamilton in 2021, but, you know, ever since they put out these new regulations with the new F1 car and uh, the last two years, they've been the best team and he's been the best driver. So, um, I mean, we've seen what he can do as, you know, a talent before, but obviously now that the team is producing um, good cars, uh, obviously he's able to um, dominate pretty, pretty thoroughly throughout, uh, throughout the year. So, um, I mean, it's, it's not surprising considering, you know, what they're trying to achieve, um, but it's just, you know, another sign of a dominant team. So I'm not really too mad at it, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's, you know, just a, just another era, but I think, I think it's more of, you know, being able to see throughout the field, who else can, can be able to compete with them and, uh, seeing, seeing how other teams are able to, um, potentially win. So that, that's, that's more of what we want to see. And obviously, you know, Lewis and Michael Schumacher. I mean, I feel like I feel like in general in sports that the dominant teams tend to get hated on after a while. You know, people you know started to hate on Jimmy Johnson for winning too much in NASCAR. You know, people hated the New England Patriots because they won too much more in the playoffs every year. So I kind of feel like from that perspective, you know, that's why um, dominant drivers tend to get hated on after a while. And I mean, I 
you know, I think, I feel like that's the same thing for, um, I mean, it's going to be the same thing for uh, Max here, you know, if he continues to dominate for, say, the next two years. I think by the fifth year of Max Verstappen winning a title, I think everybody's just going to get tired of it and start to hate on him for winning too much. So, um, you know, it's probably a little fresh. I think 21, like, you know, it was an exciting title, you know, whether you were on Lewis's side or Max's side, it was an exciting uh battle to watch and then obviously you know last year new car and everything and you know he was kind of the the best team and then this year they went out and proved that um you know they they know the new car better than anybody else so now i think next year year after if he continues to win i think people especially you know after they've had uh more room for improvement you know for the other teams if he continues to dominate people will just um, probably start to hate on him uh more so um, I think we'll see, we'll see how that goes, but, um, I mean, I, it's, it's just a more of a sign of the times than, you know, Max Verstappen, you know, suddenly like turning on another level, uh, in his, I guess, in his talent pool. So, I mean, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, and I think until somebody comes up and challenges Red Bull as a whole, I think we're going to continue to see more of the same. And that leads into, I mean, we talk about that because they basically stopped development of their car, God knows when. Um, we look at Mercedes, they started the season with the zero pod concept and it was wrong. And um, they didn't listen to their drivers, they didn't make the changes they needed. And then they basically had to react. Uh, and by Monaco, they had changed it. the car. Um, the peak was uh, George having uh, a couple of decent runs here and there and qualifying Lewis qualifying on pole at Hungary um, and then absolutely shitting the bet on the start uh, Lewis being uh, running second at Coda and then getting DQ'd on, on a technicality uh, George having the two of the last three races kind of being up there. We talked, I talked about Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso and being the solo driver there Ferrari having one of the most balanced lineups on the whole entire grid, but the smooth operator getting the pole and the win at um, Singapore, the one non-Red Bull driver to win all year, Leclerc qualifying on a bunch of poles, and then McLaren coming through starting at Silverstone when they brought their upgrade package, Lando Norris, I think for the first time really showing um, long, like consistent productivity on a race-to-race basis when the car was there. And then Oscar Piastri, who's considered one of the best talents that has come into Formula 1, and some of the results, winning a sprint race at Qatar. Um, his rookie season, the closest thing I can compare that to is Lewis's 2007 season, but then Lewis, of course, won multiple Grand Prix and was in the mix for the World Championship, so it's a very high bar to meet. But Oscar Piastri is probably the closest we've gotten to that in a long time. Uh, the question would be, I mean, I don't know how you'd want to look at it if you're going to do team by team or if there's specifics, uh, if there's like something specific that these teams all could do or need to do. Um, those were the four teams that were the closest to uh, Red Bull, if we can even say they were close. Um, what is the What has to happen um, from these organizations to at least make it watchable, uh, reasonable, 
because those four teams at the end of the day, from race to race, they were all up there and contending behind him. So there was actually racing. Once you got away from his ass, there was actually competition. So now if if they were to compete and actually make fish lips work, there might be something compelling on TV. So it's something that Formula One is worried about. And I'm sure that they're not going to do BOP and they're not going to do any of that stuff. They're going to let them continue to dominate. But I think it's you, there's things that have to happen for those other teams to compete on a regular basis. Well, I mean, I think, you know, for the four teams, Mercedes, I mean, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin, I think if you look at it from a general perspective, I think Mercedes, other than challenging um Red Bull, I think what they need to do to be able to challenge Red Bull is I think you know, they they've got to get Lewis Hamilton back in the win column. I think that's probably you know priority number one for them is to get their you know number one driver back in the win column. And I think you know they've got to get George Russell to be more uh, consistent and and also get him back in the win column after not winning this year and uh, last year he had a win so. Um, to get him, you know, more consistent in that area as well. So I think if they're, you know, better at that, and I, you know, I think they also have to be able to um, execute their strategy better. We've seen where races this year where they had opportunities to potentially win, um, like for example, like uh, the United States Grand Prix, lose Hamilton got very close to being able to pass uh, Max Verstappen there at the end, but you know their strategy, they um, kind of had. A mistake on some of their strategy and it kind of led to them having an opportunity but if they would have you know pitted earlier or um, gotten on different set of tires then maybe they would have had a chance to uh, pass Lewis or pass uh, Max Verstappen there at the end and you know obviously they weren't able to do that and Lewis Hamilton had to settle for second place at the USGPs so of course then they got penalized so they have to be able to eliminate, eliminate the mistakes that you know they've tended to make over the last couple of years now that they don't have the advantage in the car uh that they've had you know, over the past decades so now they've they've got to improve on that end um Ferrari I think it's kind of more of the same although I think obviously I think their errors that they've made are more comical in nature you know compared to what other teams have done and you know there's always it's kind of become a meme that you know Ferrari has uh, made you know colossal mistakes and um, you know, obviously they made a change in principle this year, um, but, you know, they still had some of the same issues. And, um, I mean, they improved in pace you know, over the year and they got more competitive towards the end of the year. So um, I think you'd like to see a continuation of that. And then, um, you know, I think Lewis, or not Lewis, but um, Carlos and, and Charles Leclerc, I think they both got to be better uh, throughout, you know, the whole season, obviously, Carlos Sainz was able to get into the win column, but um, at Singapore. But you know, other than that, you know, they they didn't have any wins. So um, you know, they they have to challenge. Um, I'll start with Aston Martin, and you know, obviously they were the closest at the beginning of the year, uh, particularly Alonso to uh, Red Bull. But over the course of the year, they they fell off pretty hard, and you know, by the you know end of the year after the summer break, they they had a really bad stretch. You know, they kind of picked it back up towards the last couple of races that at the end of the year, but um, they had a really bad stretch where um, they uh, weren't finishing well and had DNFs. So 
Um, I think they've got to be able to start off the year hot like they did this year and continue throughout the whole season and not have that fall off that they did uh, in the middle portion of that. And um, for McLaren, obviously, I, I think is a little bit different. You know, they weren't very good at the beginning of the year, um, but over the course of the year, as they got upgrades and um, more more time to get their, their car right, they were more competitive and, you know, we saw that in their results and um, they began to get more podiums and uh, everything. So I think they just need to continue working in that direction and think they'll be more competitive and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, for Lando Norris, I think he's you know, got to improve as a, as a driver. Obviously he's their number one driver there. So um, he's got to make uh, less mistakes throughout races. And I think he's definitely had some good opportunities for, you know, at least a, a podium finish that I think he probably threw away, you know, over the course of the year. So um, he's got to improve in that uh, department as well. So um, I think yeah, McLaren's kind of an interesting one because compared to the others, like I feel like um, they're they're like they're they're starting from an upward tra- trajectory going into uh, next season. Where I think is the other teams they they did finish kind of on the upwards, but they did have a you know trend or. A, point where they were downtrending so um i think you know for the other teams you know they've got to continue to push into back you know into the upper echelon that they were in whereas you know mclaren they were bad for several years and now they're finally starting to be good again so um you know i think they they might make it um a little bit more interesting next year but we'll have to see that's what's yeah, i mean uh, all good points there i mean ferrari is ferrari we will continue to say that they'll always figure out a way um to be a totally farcical um with their decision making and uh whatever always having the cartoon anvil land on their head uh aston martin how long is fernando alonso gonna put up with the ineptitude and some of the issues that they have and the fact that his teammates a hack um mercedes are they serious are they trying to compete are you going to waste the talent of uh, one of the greatest drivers of all time and a, and in George, in Lewis and then in thinking about what George Russell was considered prior to getting up to Formula 1 he was one of the best young talents uh coming into the series uh are they going to give him something to work with and McLaren I I do agree uh is probably the most ready to start off the year in uh some in a more competitive stead to actually um fight with uh, the fight with the fish lips uh and checo to see what can happen um i think oscar piastri after this rookie year he's going to be much stronger lando finding it the consistency if he does that they're going to be a tough out um in 2024 uh, there are definitely more. I think there's more questions on the Mercedes and Ferrari side uh, than on the McLaren side. In terms of, excuse me, so surprises and disappointments. I mean, I uh, I mentioned Piastri and how how good he was in the second half of the year and how he did things that most rookies don't do. Uh, definite surprise there. I think can look at um, Alex Albon and how he performed with the Williams. I think those are two guys that definitely stood out to me. 
uh, during this season. And uh, disappointment-wise, I, I would say that Logan, on the flip side, Logan Sargent, yes, he's raw. Yes, he has talent, but he only scored the one point, and that was after disqualifications happened. He was going to go the whole entire year without scoring a point, and he only had two Q3 appearances the whole entire year. Um, Haas, I mean, I don't know what the what their purpose is in Formula 1. Uh, you had Hulkenberg qualifying in Q3 a, a good amount, but then dropping like an anchor in every race because the car was terrible on tires. Um, the customer Ferrari teams were not good uh, in general. Alpine had the worst reliability of anybody. Uh, we talked to, you talked about it uh, just a minute ago about Ferrari's bad strategy and bad decision making. Um, this has continued. It doesn't matter who their team principal is. It's like, what time, when are you going to finally make logical changes? When are you going to go and make the changes necessary so that your team is run properly? Um, other than that, I mean, surprises, I, I mean, you can make a case for Aston and Fernando Alonso after taking over for Sebastian Vettel that they had such a good car at the start of the year and that they were literally the only team that was looking like they could battle with uh, fish lips and they had a chance at a couple of those Grand Prix to possibly win. Uh, I think that was a surprise. And then seeing that his teammate is completely useless and clueless in the same car, you see the absolute, like, the crater, uh, the difference between the two two drivers. Um, and that, that, I think, was the case uh, in a couple of two or three of these teams. Uh, and that is bad when you're trying to compete in constructors for sure but what say you josh i mean i think one of the surprises i mean that you hadn't mentioned yet is um for me personally i think one thing i was surprised is that daniel ricardo was able to get a drive in uh the alpha tori obviously uh, a bit a bit abbreviated because he was injured for uh quite a bit uh with a hand injury but um i was surprised that he actually got back into an f1 drive um of course um yeah, after last year, um, you know, losing his ride at uh, McLaren, I really, really thought his F1 career was probably over, and that if he would wanted to become a driver uh, full time elsewhere, you'd have to make a change and do a different series or anything. Um, you know, despite being a test driver, I just didn't think that the opportunity would present itself this year, and um, and it seemed like he wanted to go into a car that was competitive and not just uh, settle and. So from that perspective, yeah, it was definitely surprising to see him back. Um, his results were kind of lackluster throughout, you know, his, his time. But you know, he did get a good qualifying effort in Mexico City and turn in a, a seventh place finish. So that was surprising considering the speed of the AlphaTauri cars, and he definitely uh, showed some uh, considerable pace uh, during his races there. Uh, even though some of the finishes don't reflect that, so I did think that was uh, surprising in itself. So um, that was. Um, you know, definitely a, a nice surprise there, um, you know, especially for somebody that's one of the more popular drivers in this uh, series and, you know, the sports. So, um, you know, that's one thing there. Um, I mean, like you, I was kind of surprised at the beginning of the year with, uh, uh, with uh, you know, Alonzo, Aston Martin, their, you know, performances that they put on, you know, they, you know, threw 
uh, Monaco, you know, they were, you know, one of the better teams in this series, but, you know, after that, they, they kind of fell off and they, um, didn't, you know, didn't have the pace. So both surprising and kind of disappointing. Um, you know, I think it's surprising that Lewis Hamilton didn't win a race this year. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you could extend that to George Russell, not being able to win, uh, after what he did last year, but, um, I think Lewis Hamilton obviously looking to get back in the win column and it, you know, obviously Verstappen not surprised by his dominance, but you know, the few races that he had an opportunity to, uh, you know, not win and for somebody else to win, uh, surprised that Lewis wasn't one of those, uh, drivers, but obviously there wasn't very much room at the winner's table this year. So, um, yeah, obviously that, um, I think, yeah, I agree with Haas being, uh, completely disappointing. Um, I think from a, you know, non F or non, you know, F1 perspective, I think what was surprising is seeing, uh, Andretti make a entry and get as far as they've gotten. I think that's surprising, but then on the flip side, I think it's also disappointing the lack of respect that he's getting from the rest of the F1 uh, teams, uh, that are, you know, currently existing, obviously they're making it very hard for Andretti to, uh, come into F1. Um, and also I think what is surprising about that is that they've gotten, uh, General Motors to partner with them in, uh, Cadillac. So I think that's, a you know, maybe a off track, uh, F1 headline, uh, to, I guess, put it, put it like that, um, that I think, you know, both surprising and disappointing. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and if um, you know, who they get as a driver and all that and you know, if they're able to finally get on the grid. But, um, you know, it does it does show kind of the um, country club, I guess you could say, that uh, F1, you know, teams and, you know, principals kind of tend to be, uh, you know, with allowing new teams to come here and uh, compete in the sport. Yeah, and that's one thing that we're going to have to follow uh, as we go on. I mean, the basically that we i would say that 2025 is out um more than likely even though there are pieces in place that andretti has a a car uh ready a test mule ready um to to take out on the track um going to mention the gm and cadillac this uh, later in the roundup but uh, I think that is a key because with this whole American presence thing, if they're really serious about it, running three races in the United States, um, five in the Americas, uh, counting the Canadian and Mexican Grand Prix, um, and then you, I mean, you also, I mean, six, if you think about it, because of Brazil, they're looking, Argentina, of course, is an IndyCar they're looking at, but um you have to go and have representation. And if you're going to question the validity of an Andretti, who you had no problem bringing in lesser teams over the years. And us is a, a joke of a team. Um, I don't, did, I don't have a, I respect the people that work generally the people that are on the road working on the team. I think their drivers are solid drivers, but they don't have a, they don't have a direction. Um, they're known because of Gunther Stein or cursing. That's literally the only reason we know about Haas F1. That's it. There's a, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I don't know what Sauber's doing out there outside of being a placeholder for Audi in a couple of years. Um, can make the case for Alpine too, but all now they're they're like the the uh, 
Miami Dolphins of Formula One and that they have all kinds of celebrities signing up to be a part of the ownership team. Like, that's really what, what they are. Um, they have the worst uh, power unit by far and the reliability and a driver combination that don't really like each other, which is uh, which is interesting. So something to look at there. So we'll... Um, We'll see what happens uh, moving into 2024 and some of these key news items and how that all um, comes off uh, after, you know, this offseason, next few months of the offseason. NFL Week 12, uh, we had uh, the Niners, of course, played on Thanksgiving and uh, kicked the shit out of the Seahawks. to give themselves uh, an upper hand in the NFC West. Uh, you can name the offensive player on the 49ers skill position. They all were able to score touchdowns. Um, Brandon Ayuk had the game-winning touchdown, essentially, uh, after a relatively quiet night. Debo, dumb, it was dominant. Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle. The offensive line was meh, of course, but Brock Purdy responded um the defense was an absolute terror uh on Geno Smith he didn't he wasn't 100% his arm was definitely not 100% and he was just getting he was he was like uh T in batting practice the whole entire night there uh whether it was Bosa Young uh, Armstead Javon Hargrave all those guys on the defensive line uh tackling was better uh, uh, last Thursday night, and Mooney Ward had one of the best games of his career, basically eliminating DK Metcalf in that game. Um, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba had the most yards out of anybody on that uh, on the Seahawks last week. So that tells you uh, the kind of defense the secondary put up their first game without Talanoa Hufunga, um, and they stood up pretty good there. Uh, then now they've had the extra time off. They're preparing to go to Philly, um, a battle for the number one seed. If they lose the game, Philly's more or less going to have the number one seed. If they win that game, there's a possibility uh, or chance that in, it could go around, it could turn around, and uh, they could get the number one seed like they had in 2019 uh, and benefited them on their way to the Super Bowl uh, in Miami to play Kermit the Frog and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, otherwise, they've been on the road uh, these last few years in some of these big matchups, uh, especially in the uh, NFC Championship game against the Rams a couple of years back. And then last last January, when they had to go to Philly in the NFC Championship game, and neither of those went the way of the 49ers. But, I mean... Putting the cart before the horse, we still got a few weeks left in the season, good five, six weeks left in the season. Uh, if they can beat Philly, it would be huge, though. Um, and in terms of the fan bases and listening to Philly fans talking trash, it would be nice to shut them up um, for sure. Uh, Josh, you had a big what is probably going to be the rivalry of that NFC South for the foreseeable future, um, two of two great young quarterbacks your guy trevor lawrence and uh houston cj stroud uh quite a game uh last sunday uh, uh post thanksgiving and uh jacksonville's the uh, the hot streaker uh 
prog progression after an, a slow start um, and in a blip on the screen with four, the 49ers, they responded, uh, have responded quite well, and I think have essentially, um, by beating Houston, uh, guaranteed that you know they're they're comfortable as a division champion. Um, even with a few weeks to go in the season, it's more a case of chasing the likes of Kansas City and Baltimore to possibly get that number one seat. Yeah, it's a big uh, game that they won on Sunday for Jacksonville. Um, going into this one, I was really worried because Houston, obviously they beat them pretty badly in week three, and they also are schematically similar to the uh, 49ers with D'Amico Ryans being the former defensive coordinator at uh, San Francisco and now being the Texans head coach and CJ Stroud has been, you know, the rookie sensation this year. And, you know, people are saying, Oh, CJ Stroud's you know, outplaying Trevor Lawrence and everything. And I've, you know, said it before, like, you know, who cares about him until we actually play them. And, you know, this game, um, the Jaguars, you know, they're able to contain CJ Stroud, you know, throughout the game, uh, throughout the first half. Uh, and then, you know, Jacksonville was able to put up, uh, points and they were able to score on on drives um, but the second half you know I was starting to look for the Texans to to come back and uh, you know kind of challenge Jacksonville and they kind of did a little bit but you know Jacksonville was able to respond um, and stop you know stop the Texans from um, getting getting closer to them um, I think you know, the end of the first half, Jacksonville was able to get to the one-yard line somehow uh, with deep pass, uh, deep over uh, to Christian Kirk, and he was able to take it to the one-yard line. And then they did outside toss to uh, Travis Etienne, which I don't know if I would have agreed with uh, that call there, but um, that's what they went with, and he got stuffed uh, at the goal line. So didn't happen, and that kind of allows the other team to go back into it. Um, in the third quarter and Jacksonville started off good in the third quarter, got intercepted on, you know, what should have been holding or pass interference there. Uh, and then the Texans were able to get a touchdown from that. Uh, but Jacksonville responds, got a touchdown in the, the uh, third quarter to Calvin Ridley. Uh, and obviously Calvin Ridley had a good game. It seems like him and Trevor Lawrence are starting to get on the better page and they're starting to use him, uh, you know, more, more creatively. So I like that. And, then in the fourth quarter, uh, the Jacksonville defense stepped up uh, two sacks on C.J. Stroud in the final drive. Josh Allen becomes the uh, second uh, player in sacks in Jacksonville history, um, and I think it's pretty clear that they're going to have to pay him here uh, in uh, the next you know offseason. They're going to have to give him a big contract to retain him, so look out for that. Uh, but uh, it was a pretty pretty big game from the divisional perspective and uh, division um, obviously if Jacksonville loses then they're on the outside looking in for the divisional lead uh, but Jacksonville wins wins the game they retain uh, first place and for a brief moment between games they were the number one seed in, in the AFC uh, which you know haven't seen that since 1999 and I was way before I was even a fan of football so um, that was pretty cool to see so I had to take a picture of that on my phone real quick uh, so that does lead up into the next couple of weeks where um, a few weeks ago it was looking like it was going to be a tough gauntlet of, of games but now that Joe Burrow is out um, on Monday Night Football uh, the Jaguars are 
I think seven. They opened as uh, seven and a half on on Monday, so uh, uh, favorites there for Monday Night Football versus the Bengals. Uh, and then they face the Browns in Cleveland. Tough defense, but uh, Deshaun Watson is out for the season, and you know both their uh, PJ Walker and Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, aren't really big threats that they need to worry about on defense. Uh, that would potentially beat them, and that leads up into. Um, the matchup with the Bengal or the uh, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson uh, on Sunday Night Football in two weeks, so uh, that's going to be a big game. And if Jacksonville wins, that could be the uh, you know tiebreaker for the number one seed in the NFL. Uh, should uh, you know Kansas City falter uh, in any more of their games throughout the year, uh, the rest of the year, and you know if uh, Jacksonville wins out, basically, basically Jacksonville's going to have to win out to get the uh, number one seed, I think, in the AFC. So that would be pretty exciting if they do that, uh, which you know, outside of that Ravens game, you know, after that they play uh, the Bucks in Tampa the day before Christmas, and then they play uh, in Jacksonville against the Carolina Panthers. They just fired their uh, head coach, and and then um, they play in, in Tennessee, who, uh, you know, they obviously are probably going to be eliminated by then as well. So definitely a kind of an easy schedule actually kind of looking like it's turning out to be so uh we'll see we'll see how it turns out but uh you know it's definitely um looking like you know there's a possibility that you know Jacksonville could be a team that gets hot down the stretch here and uh possibly end up being the number one seed in the AFC which would be you know pretty exciting for me so you know we'll see how that goes fantasy got to win out somehow or at least hope that um either Joe or Wilson lose and I'm able to outscore them somehow in points uh, uh, this next two weeks. So that's, that's the objective there. We'll see if it happens. Uh, and if I can, you know, get lucky enough to be the sixth seed here in the uh, fantasy playoffs. So that'd be pretty interesting, I guess, but um, yeah, it should be an interesting stretch here as we get into December. Now where we find out who's real uh, in the NFL and um, you know, find out, you know, who the playoffs teams are going to be. Yeah, and I forgot to, that's a good point you're talking about. Fantasy's very close in our league. Um, Luke has ran off with the the regular season. Vic has won most of, uh, won the uh, uh, most weeks, but um, he's, uh, oh, well, that's news. Um, and so he's going to make, he's already made money, new, uh, new dad, so... Um, using that for diapers or whatever, but uh, we still have a lot of, we still have a couple weeks to go. I'm just ahead of uh, Josh and Wilson and Joe uh, at six and six and fifth. I'm um, nine points behind Jeff, so I could move up another place there. Um, one game behind Steve and two games behind Vic. Both uh, Luke and Vic have locked up a playoff spot. They're still um, uh, from third on through uh, eighth are only separated by two games. So with two weeks to go in the regular season, I mean, I think Manny and um, uh, Matt are essentially done. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, a lot of movement today. Um, on the free agent wire, but uh, or the waiver wire. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, this week. I'm playing uh, Manny 
in the league. Josh, you're playing Matt. Uh, Luke is playing Wilson. Jeff is playing Vic. And Steve is playing Joe. So we'll see what happens there. In uh, my in one of my other leagues, I'm ten and two. I I just lost my second game of the season last week, uh, so that was uh, unfortunate. Uh, I was going against a team uh, who had uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, I had I have Josh Allen, and he had a great week, but uh, Dak Prescott went off. He got productivity out of the vast majority of his roster outscored my i only lost by uh what was it three three and three point three and a half points and we could look at uh the contributions of his wide receivers i i had 16.7 he had 29.3 uh his his uh tight end tj hawkinson it was nine and a half points better than jake ferguson so those were where the difference was. So unfortunately, uh, lost lost that for the second time this season. Uh, I was three and zero, and I lost. And then I'd won seven in a row prior to the loss um, to this team who I killed earlier in the year. Uh, the um, I'm playing a team that I beat by less than a point in week two. Here, I've locked up a playoff spot in the league. Uh, there's still plenty of movement to go. Uh, two games separating second through seventh uh, and three from second to eighth, but uh, the eighth place team is only two games behind uh, fourth. So there's there's movement to to be had or seen or whatever within the playoff mix there. I'm fifth. In my league, I'm fifth in the in one of my other uh, redraft leagues. In the dynasty league, we've went on a run. We made some moves uh, to um, solidify our position for the um, all, for the um, you know what do you call draft uh, next uh, April. But um, we've went on a run after what was a horrible start to the year. So uh, we'll see if anything comes of it. We actually. The GSP roundup, uh, the South Carolina 400, uh, we had uh, at Florence Motor Speedway, uh, took place on uh, a little over a week and a half ago uh, for the late models uh, there, the Charlie Powell Memorial, and um, you know, I'm trying to see the the results. I can't yeah, Cade Brown won that one. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. Josh Berry led a ton of that race. Um, and then I think somewhere halfway, I think he had a pit stop or something in at the halfway point and fell off after that. Uh, yeah. Junior started like 25th, I think, and then uh, came up to finish um, in, I think, eighth place. He got up to like yeah. fifth or sixth there. So that was pretty good. And um, Carson Quapple was up there in the lead for a bit too. And then he got kind of knocked out of the way by Cade, uh, Cade Brown and, uh, uh, Caden Honeycutt. So that was, that was a pretty good race. I don't, don't really follow, uh, the late models like I probably should, but you know, junior was in it. So wanted to watch. And that's why I wanted to put it on here on part of the roundup. So, um, uh, yeah, it was a pretty interesting race through, throughout and seeing kind of the back and forth and stuff. And, you know, some of the shenanigans that go on in late models and stuff that was 
pretty fun to watch. So um, kind of makes that, you know, flow racing. If you have it, if you have that subscription, definitely makes it worth it. And especially in a next year cars tour, um, you know, they, they're expanding and getting, getting more attention. So definitely, uh, you know, go get that sub if you want to watch more late model stuff uh, with, you know, this and car store and everything else. Yeah. And they announced a new sponsor for the cars tour presenting sponsor for the cars tour a few days ago, uh, with Harv and the whole group, Z-Max, uh, the, who also sponsors the Charlotte Drag Strip. Uh, we'll go through the results. Uh, Cade Brown over Caden Honeycutt, Carson Guapel, Josh Berry, uh, driving for Kevin Harvick Incorporated, Brendan Queen, Landon Huffman, Jacob Hefner, Junebug, Connor Zilch, Zilch, or whatever, Carter Langley, uh, were the top 10 Nasty Stephen Nassie uh, was 11th. Uh, Laney Bice, I uh, think the, the child of Jeff Bice, former crew chief in the Cup Series. Ronnie Bassett Jr., who's run Xfinity races on and off. Katie Hedinger was 18th. Um, Doug Barnes Jr., 23rd. Landon, Landon S. Huffman was in 28H. Landon Huffman, uh, the son of Robert Huffman, uh, in the um, hard or the was is it the what is uh Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s vodka? Um, the high rock, high rock vodka car, yeah, thank you. Um, Josh Williams, the new driver, uh, that was an announcement that took place that Josh Williams will be taking over the number 11 in the Xfinity series for uh Colleg Racing, and he ended up racing with the Colleg guys at this race. William Sawalich was 31st. Uh, he had Brandon Pierce, uh, and those, uh, oh, that's a great name. Boo Boo Dalton, great name. Uh, go and move forward into the Thanksgiving Classic. Socks. Yeah, so Brandon Queen uh, battled Josh Berry and Caden Honeycutt uh, for the victory, and Queen was, the, was able to hold out for the win in a 0-3. Uh, by 0.444 of a second, Honeycutt started on pole, uh, finished uh, second. Josh Berry was on the outside pole one, and finished third, 1.635 seconds um, off there. Jonathan Finley, Jared Fryer, your top five, Doug Barnes Jr., Jay Spurrow, Clay Jones, Brady McCaskill, and Cody Bryant rounded out your top 10. Uh, Ronnie Bassett Jr. was 13th. Jake Crum. Uh, who's a tool, uh, 17th. Katie Hedinger was 18th. Uh, Deke McCaskill, 20th. And um, that's the people that I know um, in that race. So it was a great battle. If you go in on the, the, uh, the they have it on uh, YouTube. Uh, they have the clips of the last few laps of the race there. So some, you definitely would be entertained if you go and watch that. Uh, MotoGP and Moto2. Uh, the last two rounds, uh, essentially, in the Grand Prix of Qatar, Fabio Di Giantonio was the winner at uh, Qatar over Peko Bagnaia and Luca Marini, um, Maverick Vinales and Brad Binder, uh, Alex Marquez, Quattuaro, Bastaini, uh, Jack Miller, and Jorge Martin rounded out the top 10. A huge uh, gain in points there. 
14-point gain by Paco Bagnaia there at uh, Qatar. In Moto2, Philippe Aldeguer over uh, Gonzalez Canet, Iagora Jake Dixon, and uh, Celestino Vietti, Chantra, Costa, Lopez, Arbolino. Jake Roberts was 11th. Uh, not classified. Sean Dylan Kelly only made it four laps uh, in the race there. So we'll move to uh, Valencia for Moto2, Aldeguer over Aaron Kinnett, Alonzo Lopez, Annie Ramirez, Chantra, uh, Dixon, Lowe's, Joe Roberts, Dennis Foggia, and Albert Arenas. Uh, Pedro Acosta in his last ride in uh, Moto2 finished 12th. And then trying to go through here. Sean Dilling Kelly was the last classified finisher, uh, 13 and a half seconds behind the next person um, that was on the racetrack. So pretty bad. Uh, get into the standings uh, for uh, Moto GP. The championship, as I mentioned earlier, Paco Bagnaia is repeats as world champion. Uh, 39 points over Jorge Martin. Um, Marco Basecki third. Brad Binder fourth. Johan Zarco fifth. Uh, Alicia Spargo, Vinales, out, Prelia teammates, sixth and seventh. And Luca Marini was eighth. Alex Marquez and Fabio Quattararo rounded out the top 10. And then in Pedro Costa, as I mentioned, was a champion. Overall, Tony Arbolino, Aldeguer, Dixon, Kinnett, Chantra Lopez, Gonzalez Aguro, and Vietti. Uh, Joe Roberts finished 13th in points, uh, 93.5. He'll be moving over to the um, the American racing team with uh, sponsorship from OnlyFans. Um, Sean Dillon Kelly ended the season with one point. Uh, and Ramirez ran for American Racing and finished 16th in points. Um, let's see. Uh, so Rally Japan uh, was Toyota. Toyota dominated at home. Uh, you had Cali Rovampera run his last uh, World Championship uh, full season. He's run um, you know, some standings from Rally Japan. Uh, saw Alfred Evans get the victory over over Sebastian Ogier and Cali Rovampera. Uh, so Toyota got the the full podium. Lappy for Hyundai, Katsuda for Toyota, Atanek for Ford rounded out the um, the Class One uh, cars. Evans won by one minute seventeen. Uh, seconds over Ogier, um, but he Ogier also had a minute penalty, so he would have only won by 17.7 seconds in that sense. Um, Rovampere, after winning two consecutive world championships, is gonna go down to a part time schedule in 2024, sharing a ride with Sebastian Ogier uh, next year. So that, that's interesting when you're you're someone in 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 the prime of your career, very young, uh, going and basically taking a hiatus of sorts uh, in terms of uh, trying to go and uh, uh, make or make a difference or go and move forward with uh, your career. So it's something that we will see um, how that all works out for him and how he's preparing for a full season again in uh, 2025. Uh, so. We'll see how that all works out 
uh, for those guys. Um, yeah, supercars at Adelaide, uh, battle between two guys who we have seen in America this year, Shane Van Gisbergen, who was trying to repeat as supercars uh, champion. And then you had Bodie Kostecki, who led the point standings for a good amount of the season. And in the end, uh, Brody Kostecki gets the championship for Coca-Cola Erebus Racing. And even on the Supercars website, he's photographed uh, with Richard Childress, who's going to run him in limited races next year. And then um, and looking at even running him on an oval. So that'll be something to see uh, for the now uh, Supercars champion. Um, Brody Kostecki uh, battles SVG, holds him off uh, for the championship there. So the season results will get into the final uh, race here. The, it took until the end of the year uh, for Ford to finally make a, a presence felt. Uh, Cam Waters and Matthew Payne end up winning uh, the two races at uh, Adelaide. Uh, so one for Tickford, one for Grove racing cam waters over david reynolds thomas run randall and chaz Moster. so four fords brock feeney brody kostecki locked up the championship with that fifth sixth place finish will davis and james courtney so uh six out of the top eight were fords andre heimgardner and scott pie uh rounded out the top 10 uh shane van gisbergen was eliminated on the first lap with will brown uh kostecki's teammate in the uh in the second race, uh, we'll uh, let's wait a minute here and uh, saw Matthew Payne over Brock Feeney, uh, David Reynolds, Cam Watts, Waters, and Chaz Mostert, Andre Heimgardner, Anton Di Pasquale, Kostecki, Will Davison, and Thomas Randall. So uh, seven out of the top ten were Fords, uh, four out of the top five there. Um, and if you get out of the top 12, uh, you had nine out of the top 12 were Fords. So maybe something, maybe they figured something out. Maybe Adelaide was a good circuit for the Mustang uh, to be uh, determined on that one. Uh, SVG in his final weekend in supercars for for a while, uh, unfortunately, was not able to even really uh, do anything. Uh, had issues the whole weekend. So unfortunate end to the the season for him and uh, but he did win Bathurst so I think it even if you don't win the championship you won Bathurst so you can't really complain uh, uh, about the season if you've won the 1000 you win the great race and um, Scotty McLaughlin is making jokes about it it's because Brody Kostecki is the first Aussie act like Aussie to win it uh, since it's been uh, Kiwis winning it with whether a Scotty McLaughlin or Shane Van Gisbergen recently. So um, Brody Kostecki bringing it back to the Aussie side. He wins by 323 points over Shane Van Gisbergen. Brock Feeney finishes third. Chaz Mostert fourth. Will Brown fifth. Uh, Cam Waters, Heimgartner, Di Pasquale, Reynolds, and Will Davison rounding out the top 10. So by the end of the year, five of the top 10 were Fords. Uh, Kostecki ended up with six wins and 10 poles. Shane Van Gisbergen, five wins and three poles. Same as Brock Feeney, his teammate. 
Cam Waters won three races and three poles, so he was the best um, Ford driver in that sense, but Monster was the most consistent. Uh, Will Brown had four wins and four poles, so 10 and 14 for Erebus. And, uh, Anton B. Pasquale had one and one. Um, David Reynolds, one and one. Well, that's that for um, the supercars. Uh, uh, what, uh, yeah, what set up for main game after Dominant Super 2 season? And Wood will rise to the main game with Walking Andre United. Uh, and going through his glasses. Uh, I just confirmed Wood didn't let us. Yeah, so I was driving a Commodore there in uh, the uh, Super 2 series. Uh, he'll move up to race the Ford Mustang uh, next year as uh, Chaz Mostert's teammate. Uh, so that'll be that. Um, F2 season finale at Abu Dhabi. Oh, uh, Formula 2. The uh, Beerman Man. had Teo Pocher. The results. So the results of the final round. The sprint race winner was Frederick Vesti. And uh, the feature winner was uh, Jack Dewin in the sprint race. Uh, Frederick Vesti over Enzo Fittipaldi, Richard Vashor, Dennis Hauger. That's the guy I was trying to remember for Red Bull. Um, Isaac Hadjar, Dewin, Pocher, Iwasa, Maloney, Bierman. Round out your top 10. Jack Crawford, 12th. Kushmini, 13th. Uh, yeah, that's... That. And then in the feature race was uh, Jack Dewan over Victor Martins, Frederick Vesti, Awasa, Pocher, Artur Leclerc, Hauger, Hadjar, Miney, and Crawford uh, round out the top 10. Pocher wins the F2 championship by nine points over Vesti. Uh, Dewan was third by three points over Awasa. Martins was fifth. Bierman. Fittipaldi, Hauger, Vashor, and then Zane Maloney rounded out the top 10. Kushmini was 11th, Jan Deruvula 12th, Jack Crawford 13th in the uh, standing for Manuel Correa was 19th. Uh, Brad Benavides was one of five drivers that didn't score points uh, this year. Uh, but, I mean, was it Paul Aaron and Colopinto only made... Uh, one start, and that was at Abu Dhabi. Mason only started the last four races. Benavides, Nissani, basically, I mean, Nissani ran the whole year and didn't score points. Benavides lost his ride with four rounds to go. Uh, he didn't have got any points. You go and look at the um, testing for Formula Two. Uh, it, I'm trying to get the rundown. So yeah. Uh, come the morning and yeah so you have new you have some new uh driver uh combat or team combination um enzo fittipaldi is running for van amersfoort racing jack crawford and juan manuel correa tested for dams but crawford is going to be racing for them zane maloney moves over to road in carlin uh Ritomo Miata, the Japanese uh, Super GT, or I mean Japanese Super Formula Champion, moves over to Formula 2. Um, trying to see. Um, they announced Kushmini as well. He was another one 
I'm trying to remember where I saw the, I think it's probably on Racer. Yeah, so Miata's going for Carlin. Uh, Wasa, as I mentioned, will be moving to Super Formula. Crawford, after losing the Red Bull support, is going over to Dams. Uh, Gabriel Bortoletto uh, and Kushmini will be teammates at Virtuosi um, in F2 next year. So those are the updates with that. Uh, other news was from a couple weeks ago, Leah Block, the daughter of the late Ken Block, uh, has plied her trade with rallying, but she's going to go and get into circuit racing and open-wheel racing, uh, driving in the F1 Academy with support from Williams, and um, will be racing for the ART team uh, as well. So that'll be something to look at. Uh, Cadillac registered as an engine a power unit manufacturer in F1 starting in 2028. The aim, of course, is to do it with uh, Andretti Global. So will that happen? I'm not sure. Uh, something that we are hoping will come off and uh, it'll make, it'll expedite the process if they would actually allow them in. But, you know, it's Formula One. They always have to be difficult. Uh, other news, I mean, got other testing going on, MotoGP. Uh, you had um, WEC talking about that. Um, more or less the whole entire grid for Formula One is made already. Uh, Sands the one seat at Williams. Uh, I mentioned thing with the McLaren and Monster Energy. Uh, we'll find out the names and the team, like team identities and whatever here in the next few days. Uh, in Formula One, after, uh, yeah, so uh, Jack Miller's son is going to move up to Indy next. Um, Jack, uh, Doctor Jack Miller owns the team with um, Patriots and Colts legend and one of the greatest kickers of all time, Adam Vinatieri. So that's interesting. I haven't heard Vinatieri's name in a bit. So um, he's in motorsports as one of his uh, things that he does in business with Jack Miller. Um, you have um, WEC, they're on 37 cars. They announced the full grid for next year. Um, by 2025, they want to expand to 40 cars. And this is based on the number that they determine is based on the tracks that have the least amount of grids or, or garage spaces, um, one of them being Coda. So we'll see. And they mentioned uh, the sharing of pits, pits to or some of these teams that have two cars sharing a pit, uh, more like Formula One, uh, to save space. Um, so there's that. Yeah, I think that is it for other news. So, uh, Josh, I'll go to you first. What were you thankful for? Um, we coming off of Thanksgiving, we're in the holiday spirit. Christmas is uh, just under a month away. Um, it's time to be aware of uh things to be thankful for so what are were you thankful for from this uh motorsports year i mean yeah you know there's a lot of things to be thankful for um yeah thankful you know for a lot of the good racing we saw this year um you know definitely thankful you know in uh cup at least and nascar wasn't as um i guess toxic as it was in 2022 um with uh, a lot of the drama that we saw because of the new car and the injuries that happened from that so definitely thankful for that 
um, you know, thankful for, you know, Dale Jr. having a good year and, um, you know, in the limited appearances that he ran in late models and Xfinity and, you know, seeing him lead 46 laps uh, at Bristol, you know, back in September. So thankful for that. Um, but, you know, I think from personal perspective, um, you know, definitely thankful I was able to attend um, uh, all the races that I attended this year, obviously. And, um, you know, the Rolex 24, I was able to bring one of my friends there that, you know, never been to a racing event and um, we were able to, you know, enjoy that. And then, uh, you know, bringing some of my uh, longtime friends that have never been to a race as well to uh, the Coke zero uh, four hundred in Daytona, uh, and then you know obviously we got to meet up as well that day, and then linked up with Joe, and then um, you know on on uh, the next you know that the Homestead Miami Speedway being able to see Dale Jr. there race, and then you know linking up with Joe there, so you know being able to see all that events, experience that new you know new experiences with friends, and you know being able to. Um, you know, see friends that I've seen before with Joe and, and all that stuff and, you know, being able to, um, you know, see you for a bit at Waffle House and that was pretty cool as well. So thankful for that. And then I think also, you know, I've talked about go-karting a lot this year and, you know, everything. So, you know, definitely think I'm thankful for that, um, for, you know, the friends that, uh, got me to come out to the track more this year, um, and have a more, concerted effort in uh doing that so um being able to you know hone my craft i guess this year and that um and being able to um you know do i racing and stuff and kind of um connect uh what i do in i racing to be able to kind of connect that race craft that i've you know developed over the years into um uh, go-karting and uh you know take it out onto uh you know paved track and you know all that leading into you know what i did back in july with the um kind of the pro uh go-karting experience that he did um uh, over in bushnell so um you know i think the investment i guess that i've made in i mean obviously in motorsports this year i think definitely a um compared to previous years i mean obviously I've gone to races and you know we've been doing this for a while i racing and all that stuff uh so definitely thankful for for that but i think you know being able to do more um you know on on the track and do my own racing sort of, and, um, you know, attend more events and, you know, share that with other people, you know, definitely, uh, thankful for, um, for being able to do that. So I think, I think personally, yeah, that's what I'm uh, thankful for, you know, just from, uh, what I, what I did myself. Yeah. Those are all good ones. I mean, uh, us being able to finally meet up and hang out, uh, for breakfast, uh, in the summer there while we're, I was with my family for going preparing for the cruise there was cool and um just shooting a breeze talking racing and other in sports was definitely great um trying to coordinate uh, with joe i mean hopefully next year that'll happen whether it's if he we're down there in in florida or if it is up here we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with that i'm grateful to for racing in general because i was able to finally get back to the racetrack go to pocono and take three people who uh, had never been before and make a whole day of it um, essentially and we had fun and um, i was able to go and teach my cousin and one of my close friends and um, my cousin's boyfriend about nascar and all the different things that are going on and um, 
it reminded me how much I love racing, how much I love Pocono. I hadn't been there in so many years, so it was a real blast. Uh, wasn't I didn't really have the time to do the diecast hunting that I probably wanted to, but uh, there was still plenty of merch there and um, was able to get a cool Dale Earnhardt car th that weekend uh, from the 79 year or 80, whatever. Um, other things grateful for, I would say... Uh, grateful to Smoke for running a great drag racing team and to him for competing in his first full year in top alcohol dragster and finishing second in points, um, giving Matt Hagen the, the equipment to, uh, to go and get the championship in Funny Car, become a four-time champion in uh, Funny Car, uh, while Leah, his wife, goes and finishes third. Uh, it's cool to see Doug Coletta finally get the elusive championship. Now he needs Indy to make his career. Um, as we're getting to the replay, we have the replay of the 2009 Talladega race and the major finish year for um, Royd Rage and Bubba Bui, uh, Brad Keselowski. He makes the move, goes to the inside, and Carl Edwards is flying and... Uh, Brad Keselowski has won this race. race. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was and talk about a diecast that is so expensive. Um, the first win uh, car for Brad Keselowski uh, driving for James Finch is one of the most rare and expensive pieces. Basically, when I was still like a full on fan of Brad, the only cars I didn't have were some of those dodges he had from 2010 and um and on and then uh 2009 with that first win car and his uh xfinity stuff that he had driving for junior with the navy and um all the other sponsors he had there um junebug finishing second in that race enduring uh brad uh because that was his uh that was his uh his protege yeah protege and um employee there it was a big deal back then we didn't know what uh brad keselowski would be uh after that day but we had kind of started to see what kind of presence he had because he had ruffled feathers with all them toyota guys kyle bush and uh, denny hamlin but uh, little did we know that a few years later just a year later he would be the xfinity series champion for penske and start a great a long relationship with Penske Racing, and then a couple of years after that, become a NASCAR Cup Series champion. Uh, I mean, I think grateful before we go move forward. I think I'm just grateful for this, um, along with uh, the show. I mean, there the, with the show and with along with the things that have come during this year and things that I've been able to fix and things that are going to be able to um, become better. I think those are uh, generally. Uh, what I'm grateful for, um, because it's we're here, we're able to do the show, we're able to, we're almost at 200 episodes. I think it's uh, crazy to think when we started this that it would be, um, we'd be at close to 200 episodes, um, and so it's we'll be there soon. So we'll definitely talk about that and get into that here in the next few weeks. Uh, Josh, I'll open the floor for. Um, uh, all things going on 
in the sim segment yeah i mean first of all i'll say yeah i definitely say yeah thankful for you know being able to do this and you know, also thankful to you know some all my friends that you know, i've told and about this and um who have either taken interest in this or because of this got interested in racing um and everything so uh thank you for uh being able to um you know uh, at least share this and uh you know tell tell people about um and all my friends that have uh listened to it definitely got a couple friends back in jacksonville that have definitely taken interest in it so uh glad glad to have shared it and um at least they also know me as a uh i racing indy 500 champion so um it's always funny to hear that so um thankful for that um but speaking of i racing yeah uh in i racing yeah this week um i mean we're kind of in that I think yeah we're kind of just waiting on 2024 season one to come out now that all the updates are out here still waiting on the rain update whenever that comes um um the gen 4 cup at homestead Miami. i think i might do that one uh ran 87s last night uh uh on i racing at pocono uh which had a little bit of had a little bit of time yesterday because uh um had had to do some had to stay home yesterday and do some uh car work and i had had a little bit of time uh since i didn't go to work uh yesterday put in uh time on i racing and ran uh ran top top three at pocono so in the 87 car and had a had a big save that i might have to clip because i was in the turn three and uh nearly lost it and definitely was drifting through a bit of that corner and it uh, didn't really hit me until i uh saw the replay and it was like oh wow i really really drifted through that corner and excuse me but i thought i uh i thought i was about to spin out while playing but then um it uh looked like you know just looked like you know got loose through the corner is definitely dirt tracking it for a little bit there so i might have to clip that and put that on social or youtube or something so y'all can see that maybe so i might do that this week we'll see but yeah 87s at pocono um the winter eye racing series at martinsville for the 87 so might uh do that uh IndyCar at iRacing Super Speedway, uh, which is interesting. The uh, NASCAR Xfinity at Auto Club always, uh, you know, rest in peace to Auto Club Speedway. But I guess it will always, at least until they uh, turn it into a short track, and then iRacing has to go and scan the short track. Uh, hopefully, they keep the oval uh, for old times' sake, uh, the big oval. But Xfinity there that week, one of my favorite tracks. Um, the yeah, as I said NASCAR at 2009 Pocono, I should say, not current Pocono, but 2009 Pocono with uh, the worn-out pavement and the uh, original group strip over in Turn 3 uh, at Pocono. So uh, there's that. Uh, road course racing side. Um, uh, let's see here. GT4, yeah, production car sim uh, lab challenge at Oran Park. Um, the uh, Formula 4 D-Class at VIR, Virginia International Raceway. Uh, Road America and the Spec Racer Ford Challenge, uh, Global MX5 Cup at Okayama Circuit, uh, Rookie uh, Formula Fords at Summit Point Raceway as well. Um, let's see, uh, Delara IR01. So the interesting here, the IR01 class, which is like, it's basically like a cross between a cart, late '90s cart performance uh, with uh, modern Formula One. Dyna uh, aerodynamics and horsepower um that's at indianapolis motor speedway on the oval so interesting 
there might have to take a look at that so that's like almost like running 1996 speed with uh modern fit, uh aerodynamics so that might be interesting there um and looking at other other stuff uh the indycar is at the silverstone grand prix so that might be uh interesting to run there if i can uh do it so yeah definitely a lot of choices here uh still the iRacing uh black friday sale still going on through november 30th so i haven't gotten that go ahead and get on that uh save uh 50 if you're a new member to iRacing 25 percent if you're a returning member on there for one year or two year deals uh there so um yeah definitely get get in that if you want to get an iRacing you know got one of my friends getting into iRacing now so i'm trying to coach him up just as i've been trying to coach up some of my friends that got into go-karting this year so uh we'll see how that goes and you know, hopefully get on there and uh run some races there with them so we'll see uh but yeah definitely uh glad to have done sim racing you know this year hopefully one day hopefully we'll have the indy 500 so maybe we can add more indy 500 titles or just the ability to run that race of course um uh let's see yeah when you know maybe may next year probably try to do more road course racing uh official races like the rolex 24 and uh other stuff so still got to look up the dates for that and see if i can plan that and uh as long as i have anything maybe i'll try to enter the rolex 24 but i have to contact some people because i'm definitely not running that on my own for 24 hours that i'd be insane i can't do that so um definitely look for streams if i stream on uh twitch tv slash iRacing or slash uh ucler2 go on there and stream that's where i'll have streams on there uh, of course follow my twitter jp huffine uh on there i'm gonna call it twitter uh despite it being x that's how i know it as and it's probably one of the worst rebands of all time so um and i i actually like elon musk so um yeah that able to at least criticize him there so um yeah go on x or twitter at jp huffine see all my takes on the sport of course and what i'm interested in of course uh the uh um jacksonville jaguars as i've talked about you know getting active on there talking about them the florida gators hope they fire uh billy uh, napier because he stinks um and of course uh follow our youtube page at gripship podcast where we have all our podcasts up until this point so we'll have this one uploaded shortly uh, or afterwards or soon afterwards and uh go on there like and subscribe to our page so uh yeah of course i'll turn it over to you and of course glad to be on for another week and of course thankful for being able to be on the show Absolutely, man. Uh, we're able to have Thanksgiving with our families, and we're able to, even though it was a couple days later, go and do the show as usual um, this week, and we'll continue to do it, get to 200 before the end of 2023. Um, you can find me at PGMatthew28 on Twitter. Find us at GripStripPod on Twitter. Basically, if you listen to podcasts, you can find anywhere as long well if you listen to this podcast of course duh um you can find this this show basically anywhere the podcasts are distributed uh whether it's apple amazon um podbean which is our host site and then you have my uh blog site or i feel the philip g matthew 28.podbean.com and also uh philip g matthew.com 
which is my WordPress, which is also a place where the show is distributed. So those are all uh, places you can find the Grip Trip Podcast. I'm also Philip G. Matthew 28 on Insta. So with that, we will be back uh, next week for episode 198 of the Grip Trip Podcast. It will be a, a, a season review for both uh, Xfinity and Trucks. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about NFL Week 13. Be a and... Jacksonville Jaguars live cast since they're on Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. So that'll be uh, uh, interesting with Jacksonville versus Cincy uh, with Jake Browning uh, at quarterback for them. And um, we'll see if we can get Joe back on for that. And then um, we'll give you the news. Niners and Philly will play as well. And then we'll give you the news uh, of the week and uh, and the usual other segments that you're so used to here on the Gripshire Podcast. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Thanks for listening to Gripshire Podcast, and we will see you next time.